to the book of John. We'll be in John chapter number 21 this morning. John chapter number 21. And we'll read the first uh, 12 verses of scripture in this chapter for our text today. John chapter number 21. <coughs> and I do want to remind you about the evening service. Once you be here tonight <coughs> at 6 o'clock. John chapter number 21. And of course, uh, the this is the last chapter of the book of John, and Christ has been crucified. Uh, he has been resurrected, and we come to the closing chapter of John chapter 21, and I believe there's some important truths uh, for us to see in these first 12 verses. Let's begin reading verse number 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing. But when that morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye now have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken." Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Uh, very interesting passage of Scripture. There's several different messages that can be preached from this text. Uh, but this morning, I want you to listen carefully to me because I think I'll, I'll help many of you today. And if you're uh, not in a situation that this applies to you today, it will apply to you at some point in your life. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the danger of no direction, the danger of no direction. Father, I pray this morning uh, that you'll help us as we look into the Word of God. Uh, may the Scripture speak to us this morning. Father, again, I pray if there's one unsaved, I pray that <coughs> the Spirit of God uh, would bring conviction upon them that they might turn to your Son for their salvation. And Father, I pray for the Christian who might be discouraged this morning, may uh, they realize that uh, they still have a God who sits on His throne, that they have a God who's in complete control. And Father, no matter what your children uh, deal with today, may uh, they look to you for their direction. We ask your hand of blessing in all that we do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The disciples were an interesting group of men. Uh, what a group that must have been. Of course, these are men who left all to follow the Son of God. And as should be, the attention is always on the Savior. 
throughout the Gospels, but there around him are these men that were chosen and that answered his call. What they had got, were able to see is amazing. Uh, I always, uh, my mind always goes to what it must have been like to hear the voice of God uh, teach, to hear the voice of God preach, to see the miracles that he did. And they did not read about it. And uh, we're eyewitnesses because we read of it in Scripture. But they were eyewitnesses because they saw the events take place. Uh, what a privilege it was. And just to be reminded, we draw back to verse number 30 and 31 in chapter 20 preceding our text this morning. The scripture reminds us that there were many other signs once he appeared to them in that upper room that he did that the Bible doesn't even record. I get amazed at what they saw that the scripture tells us about. The last verse of this book, the book of John in this chapter, chapter 21, tells us that Christ did so many things that the world could not contain the volumes of what he did, and how many of those these men got to see. Can you imagine what it would have been like there when Jesus, there's multitudes, there's 5,000 plus, and they're hungry? That's how we know it was a Baptist meeting, because they expected to be fed after that meeting. And yet, Jesus had those five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring me your, that lad brought him his lunch. He fed. I wonder if there was doubt in those men. Okay, what, what, is, what is Jesus doing? But yet they, the remaining was more than they started with. Only the Son of God could do that. To see him walk on the water, to see him calm the seas, to see him perform miracles of healing. Can you imagine what it would have been like to see the Son of God stand outside the tomb that held the dead body of Lazarus? And for Jesus to say, Lazarus, come forth. And a man that was dead now has life. Something tells me you'd never forget that. You'd never get over that. While Jesus was alive, while they were with him in his earthly ministry... They always knew what they were going to do next. Not specifically, but generally because we're going where he's going. We're going to do what he tells us to do. They get up. They didn't have to make any decisions themselves. Jesus said, we're going here. I think of beginning towards the front of this book, the book of John. Jesus says, I have needs to go to Samaria. Guess what, guys? Today, we're going to Samaria. They did what Jesus instructed them to do. They just followed him. They just did what he told them to do. But Jesus has been crucified. That took them off guard. He reminds them, guys, this is what I've been talking to you about. This is, this is what I prophesied, this is what I taught you was going to take place. They witnessed uh, the, those cruel beatings. They witnessed his resurrection. But yet Christ, they, they witnessed his crucifixion. They witnessed him after the resurrection. Christ appeared to them. We find that in the previous chapter. And they see him in the wounds that he has. We come to chapter number 21. And they are in a different place than they were in those years of traveling with Jesus. 
they sometimes didn't have a place to sleep. But they were with Jesus. They sometimes didn't know what the next day held, but they knew that Jesus was going to take them where they needed to go. There was security in that. There was uh, joy in that. Sometimes uh, they were witness to the Pharisees and those others who would reject Christ and their rumblings of how they had to take, they were going to kill him. But yet Christ would always slip away. Security in knowing what they're doing because it was God had made it obvious what they were going to do. There's the Son of God. You forsook your life. You forsook your profession. You forsook your family just to follow Him. But now, Christ, in essence, has been taken from them. He has reappeared to them after His resurrection, but we find them gathered together again in chapter 21, and the Bible tells us that they are there without Christ. I imagine in these men's mind, they must have thought before the crucifixion, they must have thought this is the way it is just going to be. Us and our Lord. That's how we're going to spend our days. Because there was this misconception in their mind that they didn't fully understand what Christ meant in his teaching. This misconception of his king, he was there to set up his kingdom now. And now they find themselves together without their leader, without the Savior with them. They find themselves different than the situation. They must have found themselves in those days that Jesus spoke of. Foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. On one of those nights when they just made a bed out of the wilderness floor, they still felt security because they knew when the sun rose, Jesus was on his next mission. But now that group is together minus Judas, the one who betrayed him. But they are together, but without Jesus. They find themselves in a situation with no direction. Now, I point out, as I've already illustrated, they didn't choose to be in that place. If they had it their way, what they had been experiencing with the Son of God would have been they'd have lived out their days. But now they find themselves in a very dangerous place. It's a place that a lot of Christians find themselves from time to time. A place with no direction. Now I remind you that sometimes in the life of a Christian, God says, be still and know that I am God. God says, you just sit and wait until I open the door. I'm reminded of Moses and how God put Moses on the backside of a desert for 40 years in preparation for what he had for, for him. But yet, there were still some things in his life that gave him direction. These men find themselves without Jesus with them. We find some very interesting things that I want to point out today that I think will be a help to us. And this morning, I think we find a lot of times in our Christian life, we find ourselves seemingly with no direction. Seemingly, what's the next step? Let's look at some things the disciples looked at. I think it'll be 
easily applied this morning. Let me say number one. When we're in a place of no direction, we find the tendency to return to the old way. Look at verse number three. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. The other disciples didn't take a lot of convincing. Some of them weren't even fishermen. Well, I guess I better start my second career. I'm going to go be a fisherman now. I understand this. This was a decision, I believe, made out of frustration, not rebellion. Peter left the life of a fisherman. He forsook that profession to follow Christ. He, had, he was the bold one. He was the one who Jesus said, come out on the water. And he was the one that stepped out onto those stormy seas. Peter had forsaken that life, and now Jesus had been crucified. And yes, he had been resurrection, resurrected, but their life is different than they thought it would be before the crucifixion. They are sitting there not knowing what to do, probably a little numb, probably still trying to decipher in their mind everything they had seen. I mean, before this, Jesus appeared to them in a room without ever opening a door, they saw, Jesus said, Thomas, stick your hand in my side. Now, that's probably not something you're going to get over very quickly. And you're, they're, they're, they're processing all of this, <coughs> and they have a tendency to go back to the old way out of frustration. I don't believe out of a heart of rebellion. Is that I'm going to go fishing. I picture them just sitting around, just kind of like letting the day go by. And then finally, Peter the unelected spokesman, I'm going fishing. I don't know what else to do. I'm going fishing. Why did he pick fishing? Because that's what he knew. He had no direction, so it was a tendency to go back. And you find the rest of the men didn't have to be talked into it. It was, it was kind of a scene where, okay, first one that speaks up decides what we're all doing. Because we're used to Jesus making those decisions for us. And so the tendency was to go back to the old way. Christian, be careful making a decision out of frustration. There is nothing. Well, I hear Christians say, well, I just have to do something. Who says you have to do something when God says do something. You have to do something. You have to really, you have to do something when God says wait on me. So many Christians put themselves in a bad place or they end up back to the old way not because they're rebelling at God but because they make a decision out of frustration. Now, let me clarify and draw a distinction here. This was, I do not believe, it was a heart of rebellion. If you have a heart of rebellion, you say, well, I don't know what to do. There's a lot of Christians who say, I don't know what to do. And you do because you have the word of God. You've had the commands of God. You just don't want to do it. There's a difference there. In the life of a Christian, there are times when God places us in situations when, 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 when the, the things around us that stabilize us are no longer there. The leadership that we had is no longer there. Things have changed. We find ourselves in a situation where we don't know what to do, and it's frustrating. 
Some of the most frustrating times of my life have been when I didn't know what to do. And I just had to sit and do what we as Christians all say we like to do. I just prefer to wait on God. No, you don't. You want an answer. You want a direction. You want the rest of your life planned out and handed to you so you can know what to do. That's not the way God works. So their tendency was to return to the old things that they knew out of frustration. Christian, when you find yourself in a place with no direction, seemingly no direction, be careful about making those decisions out of frustration. Let me say this, and I'll move, I'll move, I'll move through the outline. Christians, we, we, many Christians today don't place enough emphasis on the will of God. What is it that God wants you to do with your life? We allow frustration because it is demanding our attention. I want the frustration. Were they supposed to go back? You don't have to answer this out loud, but we know the answer. Were they supposed to go back and be fishermen? Absolutely not. They had left that. They had forsaken it. God had called them out of it just because they had a time in their life when they were frustrated. It was not the will of God to go, do, go back to the old life because they were frustrated. Christian, don't make a decision based on your frustration. Be careful. But, well, I just, I won't be frustrated. Well, there's worse things than being frustrated. Waking up and now you and your family are away from the things of God. That's worse than being frustrated. The tendency to return to the old way. Number two, some great truths in this point. We find a lack of awareness. They say to him, we also go with thee. We're going to. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Uh, can I just interject this? Aren't you glad that he doesn't just forsake us? They make a bad, they make a poor choice in their frustration. They fish all night and catch nothing. And the next morning, he's on the shore waiting on them. But notice this. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. I find this fascinating. Look what the, the Bible says. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Say, Pastor, maybe they're just they're, they're fishing. They're far enough out uh, to not... Uh, know who he was. Well, they certainly heard his voice. In verse 5, they were close enough to hear his voice. Notice this, number two, the second thing I want to point out when we think of no direct, the danger of no direction, a lack of awareness. Sometimes, Christian, we find ourselves in a place where we say, well, I don't know what to do, and we become unaware of the situation. We become unaware of what God's trying to do in our life. 
Now, I want you to, to see something here. I'm going to point out, thinking of that, that, that thought of a lack of awareness. And I want to remind you that these were men who spent every day with Christ for more than three years. How, how much, if you were a disciple... You're sitting around a table sharing a meal. How much do you think you'd study the face of Jesus? You left everything because you're convinced this is the Son of God. And now you're in His presence. Now you sit this close to Him. Now you talk face to face. I like to think they studied his face. You think they recognized his voice? Oh, the voice of God. There's no voice like that voice. John, who, John the beloved, who who sat next to Christ and laid his chest, laid his head on the Savior's chest. That's how close. But now, because they were put in a situation they never saw coming, and the frustration begins to build and build because the direction was not what they had always, like how they always depended on it, they become totally unaware of even the presence of God in their life. Notice in verse number 4 what the Bible tells us, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. They didn't recognize His presence. Think about this for a moment. The one who they had forsaken all for, the one who they had spent so much time with, the Son of God, (coughs) They did not, they got to a place because they didn't have that clear direction. They got frustrated. Maybe, see, had not, did they not know what they were supposed to do? Did they not know they were to preach and teach of the Lord Jesus Christ? It would have been easy, it was easy for them to say the things they had seen and done, but yet Jesus was not there to to physically say, guys, get up, let's go. So in their mind, they had no direction. And the frustration began to creep into the point where they they lost uh, their awareness. They did not even recognize the presence of God. Christian, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a situation which seems like you have no direction and the frustration is all you'll pay attention to. Well, I guess I can go back and do that. And you'll find yourself... In a situation where you'll not even recognize the presence of God. Christian, have you ever said it? Have you ever thought it? Well, God's just forsaken me. No, he might be standing on a shore while you're back testing out the old life again. Because you gave in to your frustration. 
and your eyes are focused on your frustration, your focus is on what you used to do and what you, instead of what you should be doing. And his presence is there. But notice what else. That would be bad enough. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. See, how, why do you think he said it like that? Have you ever been with a fisherman who can't catch any fish? That's why Bill talks the way Bill talks. No. Still frustrated, weren't they? With that lack of awareness, don't miss this. Jesus comes out of the shore. They didn't even, they weren't even aware he was there. <laughs> and he says, children. I don't find too many places where they're called children. That should have signaled something to them right away. Have ye any meat? No. Not only were they unaware of the presence of God, don't miss this. They were unaware of the voice of God. There are a lot of Christians who sit on a church pew and they're unaware of what God's doing in their life. They're unaware of the voice of God through the word of God. They're unaware of what God has given them direction. And oh, he's forsaken me. And oh, it's been a long time since God's talked to me. No, he's been speaking to you through his word. You've just been too frustrated to acknowledge it. You've just been so caught up in the fact that you didn't have a direction, that when he's given you direction, you don't even recognize his voice. Bear in mind, this is the one <coughs> they have spent day and night with, this is the one that they heard multiple times, many times, teaching and preaching. And how many times did he teach them individually and teach them as, as, as that small group? Besides the times he spoke to the multitudes, and yet they're so consumed in their own situation, so consumed in their own frustration, and they're all miserable together because life has just brought them something they didn't know that they were going to have to deal with. And where's our leadership? And where's our direction? His presence was still there. He said, I'm gonna make, they may not have seen me. Children, have you any meat? No. They didn't recognize the voice of God. Friend, this morning, if you're stuck without that clear direction, are you listening to the voice of God? Are you... I find this, I find this fascinating. If there's any men on this planet at this time, any people who knew Jesus, it was them. And yet they had given in to their situation. They had given in to their frustration. And they lost awareness. Hey, friend, there's dangers when you have no direction. You can lose awareness of what God is actually doing in your life. Lose awareness of His presence. 
I'm, I'm afraid that there's just too many times when Christians open the Word of God and they get nothing out of it because they're too, con- they're too consumed in their own frustration. They come to church and they leave, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Well, friend, if you come to a Bible-preaching church where the Bible is preaching and taught, you don't get anything out of it. I'm afraid that's your fault. But hey, can I confess to you, there's been times in my life before I, before I was kind of tied to the pulpit every Sunday where I didn't understand what God was doing and I came in with my frustration I dwelt on it the whole time. But friend, you've got to stop and realize what God, His presence, His voice. There's a lack of awareness. Number three. We go back to the... The fact in verse number 3, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that, that night they caught nothing. They fished all night long and caught zero. But in verse number 5, when they answered the Lord, no, verse number 6, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast thereof, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Let me make my third observation about the danger of no direction. Um, activity doesn't necessarily mean production. Oh, have you ever said it? Some of you have. Well, I've just got to do something. You mean like fish all night and catch nothing? You think Peter was frustrated? You think they were frustrated before they went fishing? Now they're tired and weary and hungry and still have no fish. There are a lot of Christians today that are contributing to their own misery because they just have to do something. I've just got to get something going. I've just got to have some direction. Go ahead, fish all night. Notice how quickly, when the Lord's involved, it changes. Throw them on the other side. And those fish are coming. See, you can make your own decisions. You can get ahead of God, and you can be busy but not productive. Being busy will wear you out. But if you're going to get tired, don't you at least want to have something to show for it? Christian, you and I, we need to be reminded, we need to wait on God. Too many times Christians find themselves away because their frustration. I've I've, got to do something. I've got to do something. And now you're in more trouble than you were before. Action doesn't always mean production. Have you any meat? No. Christian, sad. Have you any fruit? No. Because you're too busy. You're busy, but you're busy doing things that don't matter. You're busy doing things God hasn't led you to do. Action doesn't always mean production. Now, for number four, let me give you the solution and we'll be done. 
The solution is if you have no direction, begin to take matters into your own hands. The solution is also found here in this passage of Scripture. After we see in verse number 6, they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus saith unto Peter, whom Jesus loves, saith unto Peter, John, they're out there fishing. That's how I picture it. Peter's sitting around. They're all sitting around, frustrated. What, what are we supposed to do now? Peter says, I'm going fishing. Okay, we're going too. They get in the boat. They go out there. They fish all night long. Nothing. Then Jesus is on this. They hear a voice coming from someone they didn't even notice had come out on the shore who cries out to them, children, have you any meat? No. And I just picture them still tolling with those nets and those nets trying to steal nothing. Then all of a sudden, John has an aha moment. Because he, that, that voice had said, throw them on the other side, on the right side. Now they've thrown them on the right side. And immediately, something takes place that they had tried to do all night long and had no success. They begin to feel to the point they couldn't contain them. And I picture it, John trying to help, and all of a sudden, a memory popped into his head. And he says, it is the Lord. Because there has been another time when Jesus has said, throw your nets on the other side. And it all began to come back. We've seen this before. It's the Lord. It's him on that shore. It's his voice. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. It is the Lord. The solution is when you realize his presence, go to him. Now watch this. Very interesting. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it, <coughs> that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. I'm going to be honest with you. As a child reading this, this, this kind of confused me. But today's definition of nakedness was different from this day's definition of nakedness. This day's definition of nakedness was not to be not wearing completely anything. It says he had his fisherman's coat. He still had another layer of clothes on. But now he puts his fisherman's coat on, and he jumps into the sea, not because he was embarrassed, not because he was swimming away, because he was swimming to the Lord. Now, here's just something interesting that you can take or leave this morning. Before Peter, that fisherman, jumped in the sea to go see the Lord, he put his fisherman's coat on and wanted to make sure he was presentable before he got to the Son of God. The solution is when you tend to get away 
those dangers of no direction is go to him. The moment they realize those fish are (coughs) jumping into that net, the apostle John, it's the Lord. Isn't it amazing? They saw the benefits. They saw the exact opposite of what was taking place in their own power. It is him. And then Peter. Now when Simon Peter heard it, he grabbed his fisher's coat. He put it on and says, guys, I'll see you on shore. And he jumped into the sea and swam to where the Son of God was. Verse 8, and the other disciples came in a little ship. The other ones came, for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which ye now have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net. He left the Savior when they got there and went and helped them. He swam to shore. He went to God. That's a pretty good place to be. Now, let me make a closing application. If we're honest, probably all of us can identify in at least one of these observations we make of the disciples when they had no direction. So what do you do if you find yourself in that situation today? You go to him. Because then we find that he had a meal prepared for them. In verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and dine. That verse also points out they didn't have any other questions about who that was. Then we find, very interesting, in verses 15 through 19, we find Jesus speaking to Peter And in one question that he asked three times, he's giving Peter instructions for his life. He is telling him what he is to do. He tells him of how he's going to die for God's glory. He gives him the directions. Serve others. But you look at the end of verse number 19, we find two words. Follow me. Now think about it. They had left, Peter specifically had left the life of fishing to follow him. But now he is saying, care for my sheep, care for my lambs. Uh, Peter, uh, you're going to be crucified is what he's telling them. Your arms are going to be bound by another. That's going to happen for my honor and glory. He commissions them before he ascends into heaven. Go into all the world and be a witness of the things that you have seen. Follow me. He was not going to be there in person. But they were to still follow his direction. There are a lot of Christians today who have heard the directions of God as recorded in the Word of God and still claim to not have direction. He gave clear direction. Friend, there's a danger of 
being in a situation where we don't know exactly what to do, and then I'm just going to do what I know to do. The Bible does say, lead not under thine own understanding. Too many times we let our frustration cloud the fact that God is still has not forsaken us. And then there's a lot of Christians who just got to have activity for the sake of activity. But yet they don't produce anything. Because they're participating in activities that they have forced upon themselves when they may be at a period in life and God says, this is all I want you to do. Frank, can I tell you tonight, if, if you, if, this morning, if you say, in my mind, I want to do this for God, but God says, no, I want you for this next period of time, I want you to just do this for me. You know what you better do? What he wants you to do. But I had all these dreams and aspirations, and God says, sit and just learn of me, commune with me. That's probably what you ought to do. You ought to wait on the Lord. If you find yourself in a fishing vessel this morning, you're busy, but you're not catching any fish, why don't you get back to God for His direction? Be careful, Christian, that we don't let our frustration take us away from Him, but we should just be waiting on Him. Father, I pray this morning.